Grace, mercy, and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of our God and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our consideration this morning as we continue looking at our path of worship comes from, first of all, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And also, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? This is the word of our Lord. In the name of our triune God, in whose house we have gathered to worship him, dear friends. Of all the, the amazing gifts that our Creator has endowed us with, certainly are the five senses that he's given to us. The sense of seeing and hearing, touching, smelling, tasting. Those five senses allow us to enjoy God's creation. We get to view mountains. We, we, we get to uh, taste a, a home-cooked meal, feel a loved one's hug. We smell flowers. We hear music. But, but the five senses that our Creator gave us uh, do more than just help us enjoy life. They also help us learn. S uh, rule, studies show that those who only learn by hearing something typically only retain about 20% of what they've heard. But if there are more senses involved in the learning process, that number doubles. So a, a good teacher doesn't just lecture the class. A good teacher will try to involve the students' other senses. For instance, instead of simply telling a class about the forest, a teacher might take the class on a field trip and go to a forest. So not only do they hear about the forest, now they see the trees, they, they smell the pines, they feel the needles, maybe even taste the water from the stream flowing through it. Our Lord, the same creator that gave us those five senses, actually does something very similar to that for us, his church. We have been considering our, our path of worship in the last couple of Sundays. We, we are following along in our service. But what we come to today, along with what we'll talk about next Sunday, which is the Word of God, is the sacraments something that we would say certainly is the heart and core of our worship. It's the high point of this path of worship that we follow. The sacraments involve our senses. God didn't have to give us sacraments. He could have simply used his word alone to convey his grace, his forgiveness, his promises of life and salvation to us. But in his mercy, in his love, and in his wisdom, our Creator chose also to give us sacraments. Sacraments in which involve not just hearing his word, but touching, tasting, feeling, even smelling. Water, bread, wine. But the sacraments, and, and, and 
involving word and those, those visible earthly elements that involve our senses do so much more than simply teach. God isn't just conveying information to us in the sacraments. He's actually coming to us face to face and giving us his gifts of grace, his forgiveness, life, and salvation. This morning, as we continue along our path of worship, let's consider the sacraments, namely, holy baptism and the Lord's Supper. But before we go any further, let me give you just a little bit of a disclaimer here. Um, we could preach literally dozens and dozens of sermons on the sacraments and barely scratch the surface of all of the, the depth of the, of the mercy and blessings God gives to us and what they are. This is not going to be an in-depth teaching about the sacraments. We couldn't accomplish that in one short sermon. But hopefully, God willing, what we are going to do is, first of all, for those who have been instructed who learned these things, a little refresher course on the sacraments for, for maybe others who, who don't know about the sacraments or at least our Lutheran beliefs concerning the sacraments. Maybe you'll learn something. But my bottom line goal, and God willing, this is what we'll accomplish, that we will appreciate and make use of God's sacraments better. As we look at the sacraments, let's, let's start with this simple truth. The word sacrament, what does it mean? Where did it come from? And let's understand this. The word sacrament isn't found in the Bible. It is a word that people have coined over the years to describe things that are in the Bible, but the word itself isn't in the Bible. So there are some Christians and some Christian churches that don't use the word sacrament. There are other Christian churches, namely the Roman Catholic Church, that uses that word in a little different way than we do as Lutheran Christians. So here's what we Lutheran Christians mean when we talk about a sacrament. A sacrament is, first of all, a sacred act that was started by Christ himself, started by and commanded by Christ. A sacrament involves a, a visible element, that thing that, that uses our senses, something you could touch and see and taste and feel, combined with the Word of God. And a sacrament is something through which God gives to us his gifts of grace. It's not merely a, a symbolic act, but something in which he gives us forgiveness and life and salvation. With that as our definition of a sacrament, we find there are two things, and only two things in the Bible that fit it. Let's start with the first one, baptism. Jesus began and commanded baptism of his church when he said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so there we see the, the basic ingredients, if you will, for a baptism. You have a visible element, water. You have the Word of God, specifically what Jesus said, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Pretty simple. A, a, a couple of handfuls 
of water, just plain old water and some very simple words. And, and incidentally, there is nowhere in the Bible that, that in any way, shape, or form indicates how much water is to be used in baptism or how that water is to be applied. So many Christian churches, including Lutheran churches, typically baptize by pouring or sprinkling the water on the head of the person who's being baptized. But what a simple act. You know, just some plain old water, just some simple words. But what baptism does is anything but simple. We just heard in the words of St. Paul where he said, those of you who have been baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. In that simple act of baptism, in the water and the word, God comes to us and covers us with Christ. Christ's perfect righteousness covers over all of our sins. When God the Father looks at you as a baptized person, he does not see your sins. He does not see you as an outsider or an enemy. He sees you as his perfect son. He sees you as Christ himself. The verse just before our, what I read earlier in the, in the sermon today, St. Paul says, you are all sons of God because you're baptized. Paul makes it clear. In baptism, God adopts us into his family as his children and gives us the status of sonship, that is, heirs of eternal life. Baptisms don't just happen in our path of worship on a Sunday morning. Baptisms can take place virtually anywhere. I, I've certainly, like most Lutheran pastors, have performed baptisms in hospital rooms, in living rooms. I've used mixing bowls when there was nothing else. I once even used an eyedropper to baptize. That was um, premature triplets who were in, in an incubator. But baptisms also and, and traditionally do take place in this setting, in God's house, in a worship service. When that happens, typically the baptism takes place toward the beginning, after the confession and absolution, and they take place right here in this baptismal font. But even if there isn't a baptism happening in a worship service, and most Sundays there isn't, when you walk into God's house, your eyes should be drawn to this, to the baptismal font. You should be reminded of your baptism. Remember that in the water and the word, you have become a child of God, even if you were baptized as an infant. You see, baptism is for all. Men, women, babies, elderly, for all. You are God's dear child. This gives you the right to come into his house and worship him. This means you're an heir of eternal life. This means God loves you dearly and has forgiven all your sins. When you look at the font, you also see the, the outline of a dove on there reminding you that in your baptism, the Holy Spirit took up residence in your heart. Your body is now his holy temple. Remember your baptism every time you come into God's house. Remember your baptism every day. Draw strength from it. Strength in your daily battles against the flesh that tempts us to stray from God. Rejoice in your baptism. 
Now that brings us to the second and only other thing in the Bible that, that fits our description, our criteria of what is a sacrament, and that is the Lord's Supper. The basic elements, the visible elements that involve our senses in Lord's Supper is, of course, bread, unleavened bread, and wine, grape wine. We find Jesus instituting, starting Holy Communion, the night he was betrayed when he gathered with his disciples in the upper room. The words that accompany the, 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 the visible elements that involve our senses are Jesus' words where he said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. So, like baptism, again, something very, very simple. A penny's worth of bread, sip of wine, simple words, but what it does, what happens in this sacrament is anything but simple. We just heard St. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians where he said, is not the cup of salvation for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? That the word that's translated there, participation in the Greek language, literally speaks of two or more things joining together. What happens when we receive that bite of bread, that sip of wine, and hear the words of our Lord Jesus? Christ is there with his real body and his real blood. That same body that was nailed to a cross on Calvary 2,000 years ago. That same blood that, was, that poured from his wounds. That same body and blood that won your forgiveness give you that forgiveness as you receive Christ's body and blood and come face to face with him in the sacrament. Understand this though, the forgiveness of sins that Christ gives to us through his body and blood in this sacrament isn't different than the forgiveness we receive through the word. A, a, a Christian who receives Holy Communion is not more forgiven than a Christian who does not receive it, but it comes to us in a little different way, in a very intimate way, in a way that involves our senses, in a way that is personal. When I receive Holy Communion, Christ comes to me and he says, here, Brent Merton, here is my body, it's for you. Here, Brent, here's my blood that I shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. The two sacraments have a lot in common. Baptism and Lord's Supper, they're, again, instituted by Christ. They, they involve word and visible elements that use our senses. They convey God's grace. They're not merely symbolic, but they give us forgiveness and life and salvation. But there is a big difference between baptism and Lord's Supper, and that's this. We said before, baptism is for all. There are no restrictions Baptism is intended for all nations, all ages, all people. The blessings of baptism have no restrictions. But Holy Communion, the other sacrament, is not intended for all. In the next chapter 
of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. St. Paul says that when we receive or if we receive this sacrament improperly, we are eating and drinking judgment on ourselves. And he even goes on to say that to the Christians at Corinth who were abusing the sacrament, he said that that's why some of you have gotten weak and sick and some have even fallen asleep. They had physical uh, things that happen, consequences to their improper use of this sacrament. You kind of think of, of Lord's Supper as like powerful medicine. It really is. I mean, it's powerful enough to, to, to give us Christ's body and blood, powerful enough to forgive our sins. But like powerful medicine, it does have some restrictions on who should or should not receive it. You know, take a look at the medicine that's in your medicine cabinet, whether prescription or over-the-counter. More than likely, all of it has some kind of a warning label, right? It's not for pregnant or nursing mothers, only for those who are over the age of 12, not for those who have high blood pressure or whatever, because it wouldn't be good. It would be harmful to them. Well, here's what Scripture says about those who should or should not be receiving Christ's body and blood in the sacrament. It is for repentant believers who have been instructed, who know and can remember what Christ has done and is giving to us in the sacrament. It is for those who, who believe, who recognize Christ's bodily presence in the sacrament. It is for those who have examined themselves before receiving it. And it is for those who are one in faith with each other. It is a celebration of unity of faith. It says we're walking together. Our practice in the confessional Lutheran Church of Holy Communion is sometimes called closed communion. What that means is it is for those who meet those criteria, the, the, the requirements that Scripture outlines for us to receive. It is closed to those who do not. Sometimes that surprises a visitor in our church because that's not what they're used to in other churches they've attended. Sometimes maybe they're even a little confused or quite frankly put off by that. But we're not trying to judge anybody. We, we do it because we care. We care about what God says in his word. We care about those who have come into our church for worship. We're going to be celebrating this sacrament in just a few minutes. If you are visiting us this morning and not a member of a congregation that is within the oneness of faith of our Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, we will ask you not to take the sacrament with us. Please understand, we do this again because it's powerful medicine that we do not want to use improperly but we care about God's word and about you. If you are going to be receiving Christ's body and blood this morning in joining us in the sacrament, please do so thoughtfully. Don't mindlessly come forward to receive Christ's body and blood, but remember what you are receiving. You are coming face to face with Christ himself. He is giving you his very body and blood. He is forgiving your sins. Come forward with reverence, with awe, having examined yourselves as repentant believers 
and receive and embrace the forgiveness of sins he gives you in this sacrament. Such simple things. Water, bread, wine, and word. But such amazing things that our Lord does for us along our path of worship. Appreciate, treasure what he gives us in the sacraments. Make good use of them. They truly are, along our path of worship, with the word, the high point. Amen. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.